Welcome to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartages, where we help design and construction firms navigate sales and leverage marketing to win more projects. Here are your hosts, Katie Cash and Judy Sparks. Hi, everyone. Katie Cash here, and I am super excited to be sitting here with my fellow marketing professional, Miss Whitney Thrower, who also happens to be an account manager here at Smartages. So, Whitney, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to share some of your insights and your experience with our listeners today. Of course. Happy to be here. And now, Whitney, you know, you and I have both grown up in the design and construction industry, and you more so than I have, have had the opportunity to work for very large corporations, as well as some of the mid-tier contracting entities where you've both led a group and part of a group. You've had some experience in an in-house marketing agency that was both you know, centralized and decentralized. You've kind of been all over the place. But maybe before we dive into today's discussion, could you share a little bit more about kind of your journey and how you found yourself in the design and construction space and um, kind of what life looked like before you came to the agency at Smartages? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I graduated from University of Georgia with a business degree and um, entered the workforce, you know, honestly fell into the AEC industry. I'm not sure anyone graduates from college unless you're, you know, planning a career in architecture, construction, or engineering. Most people don't realize AEC is a possibility. So I graduated and kind of fell into AEC um, in a marketing assistant role. I started my career in 2001 with a top 100 construction firm here in Atlanta. Um, Spent the better part of my career there where I rose through the ranks, again, starting as a marketing assistant and then stayed there, you know, 12 plus years to become their director of marketing and corporate communications over the years. Um, And that's really where I learned to truly develop my passion along the way for marketing and, um, you know, the role it plays in moving a business forward. And from there, I went on to work for two other nationally recognized contractors where I served in a marketing director role there. Um, over the Southeast, uh, most recently leading the initiative in Atlanta, regionally in North Carolina, Florida, uh, and beyond. So then I kind of, you know, sat back and looked to broaden my skill set a little bit further and um, wanted to connect back to an industry that I love so much and have um, built that passion for over the years. So I decided to leap into consulting. So that's what landed me here ultimately at Smartages. And it's really really been great. It's given me an opportunity to partner across the industry and, um, you know, remain in contact with that network. I didn't want to leave that network. I'd spent so many years trying to build. So it's been very rewarding. I love that. And I, I do think it's so funny, you know, you go to all these business schools or, you know, myself went to, uh, got a degree in marketing and you think you're going to come out and you automatically just go to the consumer brands and you you really don't understand that there is a career opportunity within design and construction for non, you know, technically trained professionals in architecture, engineering, construction. There's a whole wide business world, communications, marketing world out there. And, you know, like yourself, I kind of found, stumbled my way into it, loved it, caught the bug and haven't looked back since. So I, you and I share that. And I think it's a lot of fun whenever we get to share our stories with young budding marketing professionals. Um, today, I really wanted to have a chance to speak with you a little bit more around the topic that you know you and I often get asked by our clients, those that are leading design and construction firms. And it's really around how to structure an internal marketing department. And so I thought maybe we could start baseline level 
let's shed some light around the typical roles that we see within an internal marketing department. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it, that first position you had coming into the industry, that marketing assistant role. What does that look like? You know, what are, what are those responsibilities? And then let's kind of go up the chain from there, if you don't mind. Let's just have a little discussion around that. Sure. Um, so there's obvious variations depending on the size of the firm, but there are a few roles that are really typical, as you know, in our industry. Um, where I started out, a marketing assistant role is typically the entry-level role. Um, typical functions would include things like keeping the department organized, you know, anything from gathering and inputting data into the systems to organizing file structures, um, handling maybe electronic filing of documents and uh, really, the role typically serves just in support of the overall department, similar to an administrative function. Um, and then from there, there's a marketing coordinator, senior marketing coordinator role. And that's really the key role in the department. Um, coordinator really says it all to me. They're generalists yeah. of sorts, but their primary function is really to handle the output of um, RFPs, you know, RFQ, RFPs, presentations, um, any other related marketing collateral. Uh, really in the support of the sales cycle. Um, it's very much a production-oriented role with a high level of output. Um, you know, the senior marketing coordinator version of that role is a more seasoned professional, but sim similar in style. It's also a generalist with maybe three to five years of experience. Um, in the senior marketing coordinator role, they typically handle the more complex deliverables for the department. But I really see that coordinator role. Again, the word coordinator really says it all. It's just a generalist. Um, type function. Yeah. And I think another position that I often see that kind of shares some similar responsibilities to that kind of reactive nature, if you will, is the proposal manager, where they're often working with the sales team and the business unit leaders to prepare those um, proposals, like you mentioned, whereas the coordinator kind of handles a little bit more outside of that proposal production there. I often see firms when they're building internal teams, just have people strictly focus on uh, pure proposal production. Have you seen that as well? Or is that just something that we're starting to see more kind of crop up on the job boards out there on SNPS and, and whatnot? Honestly, I feel like that's something um, that's become a more recent evolution of the department. Um, you know, the coordinator role was more the generalist, but now they're seeing, you know, this role for something that really specializes. I mean, proposals, you know, we all know in the AEC field, that's, that's just a very specialized skill. So I think they're looking for people that are um, interested in and passionate about proposal production. And when they put it out there, the proposal um, coordinator or, or whatever they might name the role, um, I think they're looking for people that understand that that's the primary function of the role. And then I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. You were going to continue on. So you've got your marketing assistant, you've got your marketing coordinator, senior coordinator. We just kind of talked through the proposal coordinator, proposal manager. What is next in the evolution of professionals um, within an internal marketing department? Normally, you'll see a marketing manager. Um, this is typically the marketing team leader, the person uh, generally responsible for managing the day-to-day -day within the department. Uh, Normally, when they're named a manager, unless it's a very small firm, they'll have a few direct reports. Um, depending on the size of the firm, you know, they might even have a, a little bit of a hand in strategy. So their main role is really to ensure the deliverable goals for the department are met and the efficient deployment of the resources within the department. Um, in some cases, I've seen them, you know, responsible for QC, some level of oversight. 
they might help with the implementation of any new initiatives, you know, again, just depending on the size of the firm. But really, it's to oversee the uh, deployment of resources um, day to day within the department. And I do think that that is um, quite insightful. You know, a lot of times we see firms where it's a, you know, the marketing department is one person that has to fulfill the roles of, you know, a research assistant, you know, proposal manager. They're also putting in for um, trade shows and conferences. And then they, they kind of get the title of a marketing manager because all of those functions do ladder back up to that one individual, even if they do not have direct reports for them because they're, they're working for a smaller agency. Um, or keep saying agency, smaller organization, excuse me. Um, Okay, so then, you know, let's talk about maybe some of the more leadership positions within a marketing department for design and construction firm. You yourself were able to achieve a director level status. What did that look like? And kind of what was underneath your responsibility when you achieved that level within the previous firms you served? Right. So marketing director, I would see them typically responsible for strategic planning for the department. Um, Many times I'll have a seat at the leadership table and they're working to develop marketing initiatives and goals aligned with the business plan or the sales goals. Um, You know, the marketing director is responsible for external communication, uh, maybe how the overall brand translates to the marketplace. They typically have a handle on internal communications as well and help drive employee engagement, recruiting, uh, in tandem with the HR department. And they typically have a lot of level of oversight for day-to-day. Sometimes they're doing QC of deliverables, but mostly their role is focused on strategy, uh, benchmarking, you know, what are others doing in the industry and how can we do that and translate that in a way that's best for our business. Uh, Establishment of uh, policies and procedures is also another area that they're really responsible for making sure the department has the systems in place that they need, that they're um, moving forward, you know, instituting initiatives that they can drive through the department to align again with the business plan and, um, you know, working as efficiently and effectively as possible across the board. And a lot of times marketing director, you know, the the next iteration of that, uh, you know, more seasoned would be a vice president of marketing. And their responsibilities are really similar to that of a director, but it really reflects kind of an associate level position, somebody that's got clearly a seat at the leadership table. I think vice president indicates, you know, they are a leader within the company uh, by title. And it's more visible, I would say, in the industry, Um, even at the director level. You know, you're going to see a lot of uh, marketing directors out in the industry through various organizations kind of being the face of the firm. But again, a lot of that is uh, connected to benchmarking and understanding what's happening out in the industry so that they can bring that back inside and and help their firm, uh, help their marketing department learn and grow. But um, I would say vice president certainly responsible for that. And then finally, you know, the the pinnacle of marketing professionals within the design and construction space is a title that's rarely used. You know, we don't see it all that often in our space is the title of chief marketing officer, that C-suite title, that C-suite responsibility where they are at the table with the CEOs, the CFOs, you know, the CEOs out there really talking about global business initiatives. And those individuals are typically empowered to develop the marketing and communication strategies in which to help that that particular company achieve those business strategies. In your experience, Whitney, um, what's kind of the tipping point for an organization to determine that you know they've they've gotten by by having a director of marketing or VP of marketing 
up until that point, they really need to have a, a CMO at, that, at the table? I mean, you know, again, it's really not commonly found in our industry unless it's a global firm or um, just a large international or national firm. Um, you know, it really reflects, I think, the importance of marketing. So if you have a leadership team that really has uh, understood the value of marketing, tied that to the business plan, they're seeing the results and they're understanding how that's really driving the business forward. I think that providing someone with a CMO title, you know, really reflects the level of authority marketing has within the firm, the importance of the role of marketing within the firm. Yeah, does that think, answer your question? <laughs> I think a lot of it does have to do with corporate culture and um, kind of the value that they place on on the sales and marketing initiatives and whether or not they're ready to kind of take that to the next level and think about it more proactively. Certainly think about marketing um, outside of the proposal production feature. Um, I think that's super helpful for our listeners and for those that are that are out there, we will provide some helpful information through the Smartergy's blog that you might be able to download some suggested um, job descriptions. If you're out there looking for your next hire, we'll provide some of those standard marketing department job descriptions for you as you build your team. I think outside of just trying to understand the functions of the individuals and their respective titles, the main thing that we are asked whenever we're consulting with our clients, Whitney, is, you know, should I have an internal marketing department that is centralized or is it okay if they're decentralized? And, you know, there's lots of reasons that these owners and these executives are asking those questions. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the general marketplace and the availability of talent and then also the corporate culture and whether or not they can function as a decentralized group and, you know, have people that are working remotely independently and a whole host of other things. But I thought maybe since you've lived in both of those scenarios and you've worked with, um, you know, firms through your mentor protege partnerships, kind of building those particular marketing plans and getting departments off the ground, maybe you could share a little bit behind each of those, you know, let, let's start with um, a centralized marketing team. That seems to be kind of the, the go-to that we see most often, you know, what is a centralized internal marketing team? What does that look like? Why does that work really well for some firms? You know, what are some of the challenges that face it? And then we'll do the same thing on the flip side for a decentralized team. Sure, sure. Well, centralized is really, at the end of the day, centered around one department that rules all things marketing. Um, you know, they're all sitting together, working together. They control the marketing activities, develop new initiatives, you know, um, manage the brand identity, and it just really ensures that consistency across the company. But uh, the value in that, really the pros to centralize, most firms really look at that as being the most cost-effective way in which to set up your marketing department. Uh, when you have all the resources under one roof, obviously, it's easier to control the budget, maximize efficiencies. Um, you know, you've got everybody working together, your people, your software, your vendors, you know, it really unifies the brand, promotes a greater sense of accountability and ownership of the marketing initiatives. Um, you know, one of the biggest drawbacks to the centralized model is really the inability to, to customize for the local marketing needs. A lot of times the business unit leaders or regional leader, leaders, I've found at least want marketing collateral or campaigns that speak more to their specific local markets. Um, a lot of times that translation is really lost when you're working with a centralized model. And because they're so streamlined, I mean, they really don't have the resources a lot of times to meet the demand. 
of the the branch offices um, who are continually wanting to customize. They're forced to develop kind of a template-based materials. Uh, there's a little bit of a disconnect maybe when it comes to the nuances of dealing with the local market. Um, and, you know, if it's extremely centralized, then the regional leaders see that as a bottleneck. You know, the business unit leaders, in my experience, yeah. start to view the centralized uh, marketing department as a bottleneck. They're not as flexible, nimble, responsive. I mean, you know, um, yeah. they're streamlined to drive efficiency. So so by nature, by, by the way they're set up, they're, they're in more control and there's a lot of less flexibility and customization. I think the two, you know, most common side effects of a centralized marketing team is one, you know, sometimes you have added cost of travel, you know, if you are sending your staff, say, from your central headquarters to those branch offices, whether it's on a quarterly basis, on an ad needed basis, if they're shortlisted and need help preparing for a presentation or for an event, you've got to, of course, send your team there. So there is the the added expense of travel um, versus just having someone, like you mentioned, kind of right down the hallway in those various branch offices. But again, we'll, we'll talk about decentralized in a minute. The other challenge that I often see is sometimes because of the perception, and, and sometimes the perception is a reality too, about that centralized marketing department bottleneck that you just spoke to. You see some rogue agents out in those branch offices kind of taking sales and marketing into their own hands and developing their own brochures. And sometimes that causes a bigger problem for the brand where you know, there's there's miscommunication or there's lack of consistency in messaging across different geographies or vertical markets even where the general consumer becomes a little bit confused as to, you know, the service offerings and the position and the value of whatever that company might be because they've tried to cater it to the various markets. And at that point, when you have these rogue agents, a lot of times they are uh, technical professions, they're architects, engineers, contractors with the best intentions, but not necessarily marketing and communication specialists. So there's often a gap between their perception and what the marketplace is needing that causes some some challenges within the marketing communications department. I know that I've I've seen that happen a whole host of times with working with with organizations that are trying to find a way to um, be complementary to their centralized marketing department, but then also being responsive to the local market needs in order of, you know, that speed of responsiveness and some level of looking like they are a local firm versus a big global giant that, that has no face to it, you know? Agreed. Totally agreed. Um, you know, in decentralized, you've got multiple departments, everybody's separately responsible really for their own deliverables, their marketing activities, their initiatives. You know, there's more of a general alignment with the overarching brand, but uh, they're, they're really marching to the you know beat of their own drum they're they're producing their materials the way they see fit for their region or their their local market um there are some pros to that you know when you think about that model uh typically seen a little bit more in the larger national firms where they have multiple service lines multiple regions you know it allows the marketing teams to really deploy the marketing tactics as they desire without without that corporate policing so to speak sure um there are no approvals or strict oversight in place. I mean, it's just a very customized and focused brand. But, uh, you know, there's quick response times. I mean, you know, things are happening fast. There's a better connection with the audience. But again, to your point earlier, you know, I'd say be a little careful here because decentralizing really, it just tampers with the brand integrity. Uh, if everyone's left to do their own thing, you know, with no guidance, 
or, or anything like that, you can imagine what comes of that. And that's what you were saying before, you know, the logos, the billboards, you know, the, the new tagline might show up. I mean, you just don't really know what that translation is going to look like. Yeah, you definitely need a check and balances system in place. And even, you know, even when I've worked with very sophisticated firms that have executed a decentralized marketing um, department very effectively, they, they all have their teams kind of laddering back up to one another where they understand the their overarching positioning of the firm. They kind of understand how far they can go in terms of being flexible and nimble and, and creative on how they're going to address their, their different office needs or their department needs. Um, but they all kind of salute the, the overarching corporate flag. And I think a thing that a lot of brands do that do often um, have a decentralized team is they still get those decentralized teams together on an annual basis just to ensure that people are, you know, in alignment with the overall business goals so that if you have one particular individual that might be in a branch office, that might be the lone marketing coordinator out there that they don't feel alone, they feel part of a team, um, they can have greater buy-in as a group. And so I, I do see firms that have found a way to to bring those decentralized groups together, if, even if it's just once a year, um, and that that's been highly, highly successful and 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 very appreciative. I think of the teams that's been part of that experience. Right, and I guess in my mind, I kind of call that the hybrid model. <laughs> you know, I think it's where you've got kind of the combination of the centralized ideas and the people setting the course for marketing, spearheading initiatives, the developing templates, collecting assets. You know that the local marketing teams really deploy. Um, you know, corporate still maintains, to your point, that control of the brand. They're developing the templates, um, but they've got the, you know, the, the local teams understand the parameters, you know, that, that they have to stay within to deploy, deploy the, the brand locally. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, as, as we're sitting here having this discussion, the one thing that's dawning on me is a lot of listeners and a lot of clients that we've worked with are actually smaller boutique firms that don't have a marketing department or are trying to decide whether or not they should. And in these scenarios, I find that it's the, the technical staff themselves, the, the contractor, the, the architect, the engineer who is selling the work, going out, making the relationships, putting together the proposals and the presentations, going to the trade shows, and then actually doing the work themselves. And, you know, there becomes a tipping point in those businesses where it makes sense to offset, you know, kind of put all of the sales and marketing initiatives off of your technical team, your billable team, if you will, and put it on a marketing professional, whether that's in-house or going through an outsourced provider. And I know Whitney, you know, you have spent a lot of time working with smaller firms and growing firms through your mentor protege partnership programs, where you were kind of helping them work through that. Maybe you could talk a little bit to our listeners about understanding when your organization has reached the point where it really does warrant Um, taking those sales and marketing activities off of your technical staff, bringing them up to do the actual billable work and empowering, you know, professionals in the communications and marketing realm to take over those initiatives and and maybe what that might look like. Yeah, I think really when you're, you should consider formalizing your marketing department when your business needs outweigh that skill set of your internal team or when you're looking to grow. Um, I recommend, you know, making sure your resources match your desired level of sophistication of the firm. 
and your future growth plans. I mean, for instance, if you're okay maintaining your current pace, you're not looking to grow, you know, the production model might work for you. However, if you're in the need for, you know, you it's kind of almost intuition, right? Like I think a lot of um, AEC firm principals, business owners, they kind of feel when they're ready for that next level of support or they realize that they've kind of plateaued, so to speak. Um, you know, they need marketing strategy. They're looking to grow into new markets or generate revenue, grow revenue. Um, you know, maybe taking your business to the next next level. I mean, it's time to make that leap. It's time to invest and formalize your marketing department. Yeah, I think the primary initiatives where we're engaged, you know, those principals have reached the point where they simply just don't have time and they have so much work that they actually needs to be done that they really don't have time to focus on sales and marketing, but they know if they let their foot off the gas that, you know, they're not going to have any backlog that's going to keep them open and in business once they finish, you know, project one, two, or three right now. And then the other common point to you that you just mentioned is really understanding the skill set. You know, they've been working in this particular geography, they've been doing this building type, and they're ready to do the next great thing. And they're not really sure how they can take you know, their portfolio to that next level and they're looking for enhanced business strategy. Honestly, um, where they realize they've got a marketing department in place that can support the production, but they're just reacting and they realize that they're not able to kind of um, move their business to that le- next level because they don't have the in-house strategic thinkers, you know, from a marketing perspective. So, um, it's marketing as an investment. I think that's important for businesses to understand. You know, you're you're investing in people, you're investing in the infrastructure, you're investing in that. But when it aligns, when you when you have strategic marketing thinkers within your firm, or you've consulted with an agency that have that mindset, and they're really aligning your plan with your business goals you know, there's a a big ROI to that investment. And it really, you know, you can look at some of these um, B2B firms that have really, you know, taken the time to invest in marketing and a strategic manner and align those plans with the business goals. And then, you know, again, you're going to get a great level of return when you take the time to, to make that leap, you know, and align your marketing plan, your sales plan with your business goals. I think that is so true. Well, Whitney, I think this has been super helpful. I hope that our listeners have found some value in today's discussion as we sit here moving into fall of 2019. I know a lot of our clients and a lot of firms across the design and construction industry are putting together their 2020 plans. And um, hopefully today's discussion will help them think through their marketing structure, both internally, whether or not they're at that point in their business strategy and their business growth Uh, trajectory on whether or not they need to add additional resources, or they might need some additional expertise. Before we wrap up today's show, is there anything else you might want to share with our listeners since you are on uh, today's episode, Whitney? No, I don't think so. I mean, really, you know, over the years, I've I've really seen, um, again, just how aligning your marketing plan with your sales plan and attaching that to your overarching business plan, you know, it works in support of the business plan, how much of a difference that can really make. And um, the centralized model, again, drives efficiency. It is, you know, more control, you know, but the decentralized model, you know, can be very expensive. You know, you've got a lot going on with systems and people and, you know, lack of a little bit of alignment. So somewhere, 
you know, finding that balance is really the most important um, element is, is striking that balance in a way that really meets the needs of your firm specifically. Well, everybody out there, I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Again, if you are looking for some resources in terms of job descriptions and uh, roles and responsibilities for building a marketing department in-house, be sure to check out the Smartagies blog. We will have some resources up there for you to download. Have a great week. You've been listening to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartagies. If you like this episode, please let us know by visiting AECMarketingPodcast.com, where you can learn more ways to position your brand and sell to owners. 